always been fascinated by talking to creative people, those who think differently, understand uniquely, and see the world in their own way. Now don't get me wrong, I love what creatives produce, but often, the story behind the story is what really inspires me, because I want to know where ideas come from, because that's where the magic happens. That's the creative backstory. Welcome. Here we are, all the way at episode 13, which I reserved for my guest today. Lucky 13. (laughs) Nice. Welcome to The Creative Backstory. I'm Kelly Planer, and today's guest is a dear friend of mine and and the podcast, because he listens to it, which is a big thing for me. Bob Creasis is a jack-of-all-creative-trades. I want to mention here that he used to work with both me and also with our producer, Alan Fleming, where we tried to our we tried our hardest as producers at a local TV station. We're not doing it anymore, so I don't know how we did, but you know, the TV station is still in, in existence. So we gotta give that. So there are so many stories that I can tell about the TV station, but today it's gonna be about Bob. He is a video producer, and if percussionists are indeed musicians, then Bob's that too. In addition, he's an excellent voice talent with a big history in radio. He used to own a replica Herbie the Love Bug, which was so fun. And most recently, he's been self-publishing children's books. He's got some charming tales of Christmas mice and wrinkled puppies, and they're adorably fun, and he's here to talk process with us. Welcome, Bob. I know you were worried about your intro. I I was worried, but all that was true. You didn't get that off of Wikipedia or anything. That was flattering. Thanks. I wrote that off the top of my head. You could have said so many things. So many things. But you chose those, and that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. So I actually struggled a little bit about how to start this conversation, but I landed here. So what's more fun, process or product? I like process. Me too. I like to work with people like-minded. And isn't it funny that you, you, you know, you can be kind of a nerdy kind of person and, and find other nerdy types of people similar to you. And then you, you start that process, and it's a growing experience when you're doing anything creative. I can remember in high school you know, trying to search out kids like me uh, amongst a sea of jocks and, and, and very smart people. But yeah, but you find those people. <laughs> jocks and very smart And very smart people. <laughs> but you find those people and you search each other out. And, it, and, and that whole process of whether you're a, a kid or you're an adult, you will find the people you're supposed to work with. I like that. I think it's, it's, uh, I think it's true. And I always thought when it works, it's something kind of magical because... Well, because it doesn't always work. So when it does work, you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I can remember sessions, you know, when we all worked together in the office. How many years back was that? That was a long time ago. It was years ago. But I remember those sessions, and that was the, the best part of my day when one of us would come up with an idea for a video or a show, and we would just expand on it and until we were all kind of exhausted, and, and we got to the best product. Right. And then we had to sell it to our client, which was That was the tough part. <laughs> that, was not, that was not the best part of the process. We used to have a, a sign in our office. Do you remember what it said? 
You no, might. I don't remember. There's why. nothing so perfect in life that a client can't change. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lesson we learned many, many times. We hope our clients are. No, we, no. If our clients are listening, we don't mean you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you were the exception of, to the rule. <laughs> Oh and if they're gosh. listening to this podcast, they clearly are the exception yeah, to this rule, know. right? So, you know, what's your favorite thing that you do at this point in your career? I, I don't think there's one favorite thing. Someone just said to me recently, a young person said to me, um, you have so many hobbies, you're doing so many things. You, you do the books, and then you do voiceovers, and then you do a funny video, and then you, you go off and... I don't do anything, they said. I don't have a hobby like that. I don't do things like that. And I think I have to do things like that. I had, I had another boss tell me one time, um, you know, why do you do the things you do? And it's not because I, I want to. It's because I have to. It's a part of who I am. And if I don't do those things, I'm, I'm kind of stifled and, and unhappy. So right. I find it somewhere, you know, no matter what I do. That's true because you can't always even even though we had a really what what everybody calls a creative career. I always found the creative part of producing video, figuring out the way to make the client happy, and you know whether that means I sat on my hands and just you know disagreed, or if we came to consensus together, like finding that way right. to communicate was really. But that isn't quite as fulfilling as doing your own thing. And I no. think creatives, especially young creatives mm-hmm. who come into TV or whatever, are dying to express their sel- themselves and they just have to learn a little bit. We had a unique situation where we were, we were all brought together for a common purpose in that office to, to build something that wasn't there before. Yeah. And and to the other departments um, in 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 that building, they never understood what we were doing. They didn't. <laughs> I can remember people coming down the hall and looking in the door, and, and we pay these people? Yes, you do. There were many phone calls where we would be traveling abroad doing some project, and we would get a call from the accounting office asking, should I really pay for this set? You know, things like, yes, you should. So, yeah, it's, 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 it was a unique time, and it was a unique bunch of people and it was a growing process for us all we all came into it at different ages right you know but um i I don't know who chose us who who chose us for those positions i don't must be must be the sound a mentor (laughs) (laughs) yeah there were so many things about that job that were really educational Mm -hmm. and then there were so many of those things that that I'm glad I know now, and some of those tools that I put in my toolkit I use today. Um, some of those things are just what not to do. You know? Well, you could look. Yeah, you could not. You absolutely could look at it that way. But the lessons we learned back then, we grew as a team, not only as individuals but as a team. All the people we got to meet. Oh, yeah. All the famous people that we that we worked with over the years, and um, it was a unique experience. Nobody's, no one else is going to have that experience. That's true. One I day, really don't. Take one that. day, some guy brought a chimpanzee into the office. Do you remember? I remember that. <laughs> you know, every day you would walk through the door, 
It was such a creative place. You'd walk through that door and there'd be a chimpanzee. And somebody in the corner going, not my monkey, not my zoo. <laughs> it was it's so funny. You know, when I'm in an old folks home someday, I'll be sitting in the corner rocking and just saying people's names over and over again. <laughs> Alan. 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 <laughs> It's true. It's true. So of these creative things that you have to do, like you were always doing side projects. Like I remember, you know, you were working with the high school band for a while and you were always teaching them little. Right. And I didn't have to. I mean, I I had plenty on my plate. I was I was a young guy with a family and I had kids at home. Yet I I was looking for things like that to do. And my whole life, I've always been doing stuff. When I was a kid, anything creative, art, music. Um, it, I always did things like that. Mm-hmm. 1975. You know what happened in 1975, Kelly? Something big dropped in 1975. The movie Jaws came out. I remember, remember that. I didn't. I wasn't allowed yeah, to younger. see it in 1975, but I saw it later and I was still scared by it. A couple things happened. Jaws came out. Starland vocal band was very big. And Bob Creases's voice dropped. And everyone dun, dun, said, dun. you should be on the radio. And from that point forward, um, that was part of my life. I thought I should be an entertainer to some degree. Did you ever do any stand-up? No, I never did. You know, I, I, I often look back and think I, I should have. Like, I feel like you, you still have it in you. you could. Well, yeah, maybe when I retire. Yeah. When I, you know, don't have responsibilities. Well. Like watching grandkids and things. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. I got to <laughs> Your kids really love you. They also need you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, they're, and, they're, and you know what? They're funny like me. They, they do funny things like me. My wife will kick me. Um, that we were, at a, we were, at, um, we're going to Disney in a couple of weeks. So we're taking the whole family down to Disney. And my, my grandson, um, we started goofing with each other. And I said, when I see Mickey Mouse, I'm going to smack him on the hiney. <laughs> All right. And we were just joking back and forth about that. He went to school and said that in front of his teachers and got in trouble. So we had a family dinner where everyone was gathered together. And my son said, Charlie says across the, the table from us, oh, Poppy, when we get to Disney, I'm going to smack Mickey Mouse on a hiney. And his father, my son, says, we don't talk that way, Charlie. <laughs> and Charlie says, yes, Dad. And he looks, looks me dead in the eyes and winks at me. <laughs> It could have gone so many other ways. It could have went so many ways. But, but it's that kind of humor. It's like, uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to be a facsimile of you at some point. Well, you did treat your children. I remember, do you remember your daughter got in trouble? Your last name is Croesus, which right. is a Greek name. Mm-hmm. And you told her that you were related to King Croesus, and she went in and bragged a lot, as yeah. I recall. Yeah, she got in trouble in school. About being a princess. Yeah, I, I told her she was a princess. I was always telling the kids stories. I, I told the kids stories from little on up, and we would make things up. And that was one of the things that, you know, got her in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not everything about this is a, a good experience now, but memorable. Memorable nonetheless. Lots of fun, too. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about, I remember we got together years ago, and you, you were talking about writing a, a kid's book. So walk me through some of that and tell me the, you know, this this book was called give me the, the title first, the, the first book the first book was pip the mouse and his magical christmas yes 
Tell yeah. us about Pip, because this was cool. Pip is an Allentown tradition. Pip was a puppet show that was uh, brought to Allentown to uh, entertain the kids at Christmas time at Hess's department stores. Um, it was actually it was sold up up and down the coast to every department store, but Hess's brought it to town, and it became a family tradition. So families would go downtown, they'd enjoy the puppet show. This is before video games and such, um, and it was entertainment, and they loved it. Um, I heard that, and of course, Hess's is gone, and the puppet show still existed, was in storage. They brought it out of storage, and they still perform it today, downtown Allentown, at the Zion Church. And I heard they were having a celebration. And at the time, I, we were having, uh, my daughter was having uh, her first uh, child. So for the grandchild, I thought I'd write a story about Pip the Mouse. My wife said, we really should do a book about this. So we wrote the book, A New, new Adventure for Pip the Mouse. And people loved it. Some of the best times I have, Kelly, is when I do these book signings and, and people, not just the kids, but older people who remember Pip the Mouse will come up to me and tell me their, their stories of going to the store. Oh, that's the best. That's Can you imagine going to a... part of the creative process, it is, isn't it? Because they're, they're telling you a part of their life that meant so much to them. They tell these stories about how they, they go downtown and, and, and what it meant to them as a family to to participate in this and, and make it a family tradition. And the only, only thing that makes it better than that is I had, um, I had people write me that bought the book, and they were from Allentown. And the book itself talks about not only just Allentown, but Pip travels all over the Lehigh Valley. So there's a stop at Bethlehem Steel. There's a stop over at, in Bethlehem for the, the, the star on South Mountain. There's little icons. We talk about the Soldiers Monument downtown. And the mother wrote me, and she said, I, I bought the book for my daughter, and we're driving downtown on Hamilton Street. And we went around the monument, the soldier's monument. And the mom said um, she recognized it from the book. And it made, it made me so happy inside. Aww, it really nice. did. So, you know, it's those kind of things, those kind of memories that I think that we're creating um, that are so special for people. Oh, gosh, yeah. And I think I remember, you know, I, I just remember going to Memphis, and it was maybe 10 years ago, and there were a lot of people who were still around when Elvis was around, and mm -hmm. they're, all, they're all dying to tell you. They're lining up to tell sure. you their stories, and their stories are great. There was a story about a little girl. She was like 16. She went to pick up her dad from work. He worked at a car dealership, and she had to go drive him home. Mm -hmm. And... uh secretary says oh your dad's in the back with mr presley and she's like yeah whatever she didn't believe him because she was well they were all big elvis fans so she walked into the office unprepared to see elvis presley sitting there with her father talking cars and and i guess he turned and looked at her and said well hello there little lady <laughs> and she freaked and she ran she ran out and uh -huh. she drove home and it was like an hour later she remembered she forgot her dad oh. <laughs> <laughs> so like those stories though like that's just not what you're gonna get from wikipedia you know no. like and i think they're so important so it's nice that you know you're keeping that alive locally and i think creative stuff on a local level like you, you know mm -hmm. you're never you, you know you might never get picked up by scholastic but there are some things going on sure that, you know you want to really talk about that however winnie the wrinkled puppy could mm -hmm. could play anywhere well that was the idea we, we did that first book 
it was centric to the area and it was you know a beloved char- character that everybody knew and it was a book that we could only really promote at christmas time and really only promote throughout pennsylvania so we decided to do um another uh, story about winnie and winnie is a dog he's a, she's a family dog and uh, the story behind that is She's a real puppy. Uh, she's a real puppy. She was mm-hmm. our puppy. She's a bulldog that we got. And I started calling her Wrinkled Bulldog. And, and the story came out of uh, a puppy that comes to live with a family. And she thinks her life is fantastic until she starts to get bullied for being, for being different. Mm-hmm. And because she has wrinkles. And she doesn't realize it until a cat points it out to her that Chauncey, the cat, points it out to her. Chauncey yeah, great name, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, she, you know, it's like the ugly duckling story, but she grows into her beauty and becomes a beautiful show dog. Uh, again, we get emails from people across the country that, that love to tell that story to their kids, to let them know that life will get better for you. You need to, you know, find beauty in your own skin. Not everybody's the same way. So it, it's a nice book. Yeah, that's great. And I think... So do you get to go into schools? I know you do all kinds of readings, especially at Christmas. I see you yeah. all over town. Here comes Bob, yeah. Pip. We, we, we get calls and invites all the time, public libraries, and um, there's a place over in Bethlehem that, that has this back regular that, that has a, an offering where they give books out to kids. So mm-hmm. we gave out like 100 books one, one year. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an, a nice experience to be able to go out and, and meet these folks and and talk to them and share their experiences too. Do the kids get it that it's special to have somebody who wrote a book sitting in front of them? Do they get that? Some, some do, some don't. You know, it's, you know, so for some of these kids, um, it's their first book and only book. Yeah. It's not like you know, we, you, you might not realize that not every kid has their own book at home. They have a library. They go to school. Yeah. They don't have that at, in their own house, and that's important. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's a, a unique experience, and um, I think it's one I'm going to continue with. There's, I'll tell you, there's two other Pip books that we haven't produced yet, and there's another Winnie book. So it's, it's one of those things where I do it for fun. We roll them out, and, you know, I think I'll be doing this the rest of my life. Okay, so, and you're self-publishing. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about that, because that, I think it's kind of cool in one way, because you don't have anybody telling you what to write, what how to, to write be, it, yeah. what it can't be, what it can be. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you don't have a lot of support, so you're doing all the hustle no. yourself. And, and the industry changed so much. You know, yeah. There used to be a time where you could get a lot of support from, from people, and, but at, you know, I have lots of friends who have publishers, and uh, one of which was told recently, um, your, your book's not selling anymore, so we're going to stop promoting it. And you can buy, you can buy our, uh, you can buy the, uh, what do you call the, uh, our portion of the book back if you want to. <laughs> if not, it's just going to sit here and it's not going to do anything. And, and that's a bad experience. That's a bad experience. So I think more and more people are doing it. If you look online, so many people who want to be creative are taking it upon themselves to either illustrate a book or write a book. Mm-hmm. And you find your way through it. Right. And, and, and you learn along the way. I mean, 
I've had, you know, I've learned a lot too. I've had people burn me. I've had, I work with illustrators. With the first book, I worked with a local illustrator. So we were with each other all the time. Um, with the Winnie book, to start off, I had an, an illustrator out of the country. And I was sending money and getting a few drawings. And then at some point, they just dropped off the face of the earth. So you, you learn lessons along the way. and You try to help others so they don't make the same mistakes. Right, right. So what happened with Winnie? You just had to get somebody else? What do you mean? With the illustrator. Oh, yeah. I, I just found another illustrator. Yeah. I, just, I just, you know, gave up. So yeah. tell me a little bit about the process of finding, because you need somebody who really gets you. And, you know, because you can explain something that's so clear, you know. Oh. And you can get a lot of different drawings back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, but it, again, when you're, working with your, when you're working on your own and you're self-publishing, you are the person in charge that decides what it should look like and what the cover should look like and what, you know you are the person you're not working with the team to do it and even more so than beyond the book stuff years ago kelly when we used to pitch ideas to clients the hardest part was selling them on an idea that you had in your head oh, that right. they couldn't visualize oh right oftentimes it was just easier to do it and show it to them and then, and then they would get on the same page. Or do it, and then they would tell you what they really want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Start over. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a catch-22. It is. It is. So, you know, would you work with the same illustration team for the next, for, the, for the, all the PIP books? Makes sense to me. But, you know. Yeah, I think so. Just to keep the consistency and the, and the mm-hmm. character looking the same, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got new PIP books. Do you have any books about, about making, you know, any of the other things that you've done, either doing radio or, or didn't you do magic tricks? Oh, my gosh. You did magic Let me tell you. tricks. Um, do you have a book about a magician coming? Because I hope so. No, I don't have a book about a magician. <laughs> <laughs> when, I was, when I was 11 or 12 and, I, and, and girls became a part of my life. I thought the way to meet girls and impress them was going to be puppetry and magic. And let me tell you, that doesn't happen, Karen. <laughs> Didn't work out well. Yeah, but you got the right one. You, you know, I feel like you and Anita, you just found each other. And we you did. Were like, you we were did. like a magic couple. We did. We did. We, I was very lucky. And anything, actually, Kelly, anything in my life that's been good has happened by accident. Meeting you, <laughs> that, well, we can put that off the table. But other than you, everything else, no. <laughs> everything good in my life has happened by accident, and I've been very fortunate. Yeah, yeah. So. Because I could have ended up anywhere, let's be honest. I could, I really, I'm lucky I'm here today. In uh, well, the Lehigh I, Valley? Then, at this podcast. At this podcast, which... <laughs> Getting here on time. All right. Can I tell you all that uh, y- yesterday, Bob and I had a conversation. He's like, Kelly, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, oh, I'm never worried about Bob. I never... <laughs> You're really worried about process? Well, you and- know what it is. It's, it, I don't have any control. I'm not in charge of this. You are. Oh, you're not producing. Yeah. Oh. So, you Sir know. had to lay it down, kids. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm usually in someone else's ear telling him what to say and do, not that's the other true. way around. Well, how do you feel now? Are you okay? No, I'm fine. It's yeah, like yeah, talking yeah. with an old friend. That's what. Well, that's what we. So it's when not are we going like to start this talking. podcast? When are we actually going to start <laughs> recording? Well, let me let me start. Welcome to episode thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So do you want to? I'm I'm a little sad. Bob used to have a, a replica Herbie the Love Bug that he would drive in parades and take to. Are you? Do you miss it? He sold you sold oh, I, it. I recently. miss it every. I regret the sale every day. <sighs> I found a post. You know, it's uh, at the time time of taping of this. It's St. Patty's Day, and I found uh, a video of me that was on YouTube of, and, and I think it was the Emmaus Halloween parade. And, you know, it's just one of those things that um, I thought, well, you know, you've had it for X amount of years. Right. You're, okay. you're over it now. You should find something else. And, uh, no, I still I still <laughs> miss it. You know why? Herbie it brought is people. So it brought a smile to people. It did. It squirted it, water at people, too. <laughs> it's, it, was, it, it was amazing because I would take it to car shows and, and, you know, events, and we raised money, you know, through different walks and things like that. People just loved that car. They, it was almost like it was a dog. They would go up and pet it as if it were <laughs> real. <laughs> and Whenever I saw you in a parade, I'd just jump in it and we'd ride for like a That's true. Block. You did. <laughs> yeah. I just start waving just, at people yeah. and they're all like, who are you? And I'm like, <laughs> I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh. Good times. I know. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> really fun. So many good things. So can you get it back? It's, uh, it's residing in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. The guy's taking care of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I did do that I did right is I found someone who, had, who wasn't going to sell it to some kid. Right. You know what I mean? Just trash it. Because uh, I put a lot of time and energy into that car. And, and I, not to mention, it's signed by all the original cast members, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it, has, it has a lot going for it. Yeah. It had some original Herbie parts on it, and it was signed by the cast members. And So um, fun. So, yeah, maybe someday he'll sell it back to me. Who knows? When I come up to you, when I drive up to your house one day and you hear the horn, you'll know it's me. Please. <laughs> that would be so good. Because, you know, I'm not going to buy one myself, but that would be fun. So, all right. So now we got to get into the the business end of creativity. How do you? What's the the best way to get an idea to a client who really needs a, a good idea or a better idea? I just remember. I remember you and I sitting in a. Um, the client was it was a legal client, and. Uh, do you remember this? Oh, I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say any Don't. names, but we had some really good ideas, and we sat there, and it was almost like we were on candid it was, camera. It was like a movie. It and was like a movie. We would look around like, the this can't be real. looked at us. We, we gave him like, mm-hmm. I'm going to say four or five really solid ideas, and he goes, I want something a little more creative, where we're just standing here telling telling jokes about the law I mean, it, was, it was just he had some skeleton idea it was terrible it was terrible and he, and he really can't say anything to the client you, you try to massage it i really come to the i don't want to do things anymore i've done plenty of push and pull videos and 
straightforward and push pull zoom videos. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, and clients wanting yeah. you know pl- clients having plumbing businesses or HVAC businesses or anything normal that their only goal is to put their grandkid in the commercial in front of their truck. I'm I'm kind of done doing those. I'll do them if I have to, but um, I'm going way out of my way just to make something special. And I put things in these videos that sometimes only I know about that makes me smile or oh, just the that. crew just the crew knows about it. Little mm-hmm. little Easter eggs through it. Yep. You know, if you watch enough of my my commercials, lo- the local commercials, regional commercials that I do, you'll see things that are important to me. You'll see the Greek flag pop up because I'm <laughs> Greek. You'll see, you'll see something that I've used in, in every commercial. Um, there'll be a teddy bear that I've used in every commercial. It's always in the background. Just little things like that that make me happy. I'll give a kid. I, had, I did a commercial recently, Kelly, with a little boy, and I don't like working with little kids, but he was about five. And when the client said, I want to use my grandson in the commercial i was like because uh, there are kids who are really like they're kids who just get it and they they're so good yeah and then there's and yeah your and, average kid it, who you know and as i explained to the client it takes three times as long to do it with someone who doesn't do this with, with without having a professional child actor but i lucked out and i wrote <sighs> some some copy for that little kid and he embraced it and he 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 showed up and hit his marks I, it was like he did it all his life and it was the best part, the best part. I remember feeling lucky when either the banker or the doctor or, or whomever we were working with when they got it, you know, when, when you were surprised to get a good one. Right. Who wasn't reading by my, (laughs) by my toothbrush because it's the best tooth, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you did voiceover. Mm Mm-hmm. And still do. Mm-hmm. And you are the voice of many things. And it's to the point now where my husband goes, hey, that's Bob. Usually it's me who goes, hey, that's, right. you know, now he knows you. And now everything's streaming, so it goes everywhere. It's someone everywhere. Told, someone told me, I worked in radio in Pottsville back in the early 82, 83, something like that. Someone said they drove through Pottsville and they were listening to the radio station and they still heard my voice. So there's still there's a commercial out there that I did for some department store, or some furniture store. And my voice is still on it. I had a, a, a program director who was coming through town one time, and he reached out to me. He just called the station up, and he said, are you, are you the one that produced the show that ran last night? I said, yeah. He said, that was a really good show. And it was one of the call-in shows. And we did call-in shows every Monday. I think we did a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think we, we had an hour every night or something like that. We used to do the, I think when I first got there, they did them all throughout the week. And then later they kind of went to Mondays. On, they went to Mondays. Yeah. So there was, there was like four or five call-in shows in a row. <laughs> right. But that's what, I think that's what made us grow. And it was a like-minded group of people who enjoyed doing that. Um, we, we knew each other, we knew what each other, what, what, you know, what we could do best. Um, everyone on the staff were, they were very happy to work on those shows. Yeah. It, 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 when you think about it and, and again, we made them fun too. We had, we did shows where we had Mario Andretti driving golf carts in the parking lot and, you know, we had, <laughs> 
We had Chef Tell oh, telling Chef inappropriate Tell. stories to the crew. I mean, it was... Oh, Chef Tell would tell inappropriate stories to anyone who would listen. And he was a big man, so you listened. <laughs> he, he was a very big man. Yeah, he's... Uh, oh, and Larry Holmes, which I'm still... You tell know. Your, chef, your Chef Tell story. Chef Tell story. Which one? <laughs> when you met him the first time. Oh. When you introduced yourself. Oh, well, Chef Tell, in, and I was the editor of a cooking show that we did for PBS that there were so many interesting things about that, but he walked into the office to review the show and I happened to be in the lobby when he walked in. I said, hi, Chef and Kelly, I edit your show. I'll take you up. He goes, ah, that must be a privilege. (laughs) (laughs) He was great. He really was great. And, oh, he just, he just lived to embarrass you. He, he he was unique. I mean, his career, you know, he was, in, in the, I guess, 70s, during Dinosaur and those sorts of things, he made a life for himself as the first chef. There was The there first was, TV. Yeah, yeah, it was him and I think the Galloping Gourmet. Or Julia Child. I Julia yeah. Child, but, but, but they stood out. And um, he became a superstar. And he went to California and he built all these restaurants. And, but when we got to know him, he was on the downside of his career. He didn't have a lot going on. Because he had done all those, he'd done cooking segments on on uh, Regis and Kathy Lee, and mm-hmm. and uh, he was he wasn't he. You had to really get to know him, but he wasn't the easiest person, and he didn't like everybody. No, but man, like as soon as I asked him cooking questions. His demeanor changed, and his mm-hmm. that must be a privilege that just <laughs> dropped, and it went away. He goes, oh, you didn't do this, right? We would do this, and you know, and he was delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you talk to him about animals, I know he cared deeply about mm-hmm. about shelter animals and things like that. He was, um, he was just. It was like a little Jekyll and Mister Hyde well, going on, but he he really had something. But he really kept it close to his. But you know. because he was such a, a big deal at one point, and then he was talking to us, to me, a, a producer with ideas of what to do. I remember getting into a conversation with him where um, I kept telling him, um, we're going to design the show in a certain way that's going to be different. This was before the Food Network. I don't think the Food Network was out when we produced it. I think it was like one of the first HD shows we ever produced in a production truck. Um, at his restaurant. Um, so it was a big deal. But we got into this big argument about um, these are going to be our ideas. They're not your ideas. Because we had concerns that we would do the show. He would pick up and go do the show someplace else. So we made him sign contracts to, to that end. Um, but, yeah, it's, it was, it's one of the things that's not the fun part of being a creative person. You want to do this product but you also have to work within these restraints to protect yourself, and not just yourself, but the company itself. Oh, yeah. I mean, crazy. And when creatives get together, and he certainly was a huge creative. I mean, so interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and chefs have, a, have a, you know, a reputation for being very uh, my way or the highway, and he mm-hmm. was no exception. But when creatives get together, they often butt heads and go back and forth and when you find the one you can fight with and come to a solution and walk away at the end of the day friends that's when you know you have your team your squad and I agree you know I agree but uh 
Ah, he was talented. He we lost him. What? It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, but um, still fun stories. Every once in a while, like if I burn my fingers, I still grab my earlobes. <laughs> because he told you. Because to. he told me that yeah. the earlobes were the coldest part of your body, and it mm-hmm. takes the heat off. And he was, darn it, he was right. <laughs> so if you burn your fingers, that's worth listening to episode thirteen. There you go. Just else. that alone. If, if not for the charming Bob Creases, <laughs> I know. So I kind of like to wrap up my podcast talking about, and I know we, we, we touched on so many of them, the creative toolkit. So let's, uh, let's teach the kids something now, Bob. Talk about... I'm not giving out any secrets. I got stuff to do yet. <laughs> I'm still... Well, talk about the tools, the things that kind of, the principles that guide you when you're, when you're working with people that you have to kind of bring along or you're working with you you develop a, you develop a skill set in dealing with people and i didn't always have that um but you develop a, a, a you learn how to deal and talk to people and portray your ideas in, in a, a light that makes sense to them and doesn't go too far from from what you wanted to achieve as well um a toolkit. I don't know. I don't know what you would say to someone new starting out. You know, you know what I think is is kind of cool. All the people that we used to work with, Kelly, over the years, not even just on our level as producers, but even just the people behind the camera. I can think of so many of them that are still doing that today. Oh, I know. And and all across the country, they're you know they've moved on and. You know, I, I went to one time I had a, a meeting with an advertising agency in New York with a buyer and I was pitching something and it was a buyer and two other people. And one of the person people on the other side of the table said, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no, I, I don't. She said, I used to work on that animal show you used to do. I interned. I, I went to I think they went to Kutztown or DeSales. That's so funny. But, you know, and she was working as a buyer in New York City. Um, she got something out of that experience. She, you know, she remembered. But, you know, it, I can, you, can, you can talk to me. We could drive down the street together, and all of a sudden we'll stop somewhere and we'll say, oh, that's where Kelly and Alan and I did that shoot. Oh, oh over there. We were there. <laughs> 20 years ago it's it's that kind of thing we've done so many things it kind of washes over you right right and you know you try to be uh, I was always told that you know writers in particular are super interesting at parties but only for five minutes I think producers (laughs) too (laughs) I can talk to anybody for five minutes after that it goes downhill Well, you know, we're the cool kids. Are we? I don't know. That's why I tell people. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing I say. Hi, I'm Bob. I'm one of the cool kids. I always thought that the secret of being cool, and maybe this is a toolkit tool, that you never do anything out of your wheelhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you don't do do things out of your wheelhouse, how do you grow? Truth. You know what I mean? So, that's true. So, what else do you want to, you know... When you when you talk to a kid who goes, hey, I want to get into video. Besides, oh, I, I tell them not to. I know you always tell <laughs> them fact, to go work at McDonald's. After this podcast, um, you and I <laughs> are, are going to get in a car and we're going to drive to the uh, nursing home where my guidance counselor is, 
and we're going to just shake her up a little bit for, for telling me to get into this. Get into broadcasting. This will be great for you. That's how you. Yeah, that's what your guidance counselor told you. Yeah. That's oh how yeah. You got into this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was. I mean. I don't regret really, broadcasting. What was I going to do? What was I going to do with my life? I kind of regret that broadcasting doesn't pay better than it does, or at yeah. least at the level that we were doing. That we that. were at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do regret that, but you know, that's that's a uh, you know. Well. Money comes, money goes. It's. <laughs> A lot of people would say, you know, you're, you're doing it for the experience, Kelly. I, I can think of many <laughs> bosses that would say, you did it for the experience that's of doing like, it. You owe me. That's like, like musicians. They're always like, hey, Kelly, come play at my restaurant. I'm not going to pay you to see how you do. And I just look at them and go, do I look 18? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've said that on this podcast before. Do I look 18? No, I do not look 18. I look a lot of things, but 18 is not one of them. So, yeah, that's a, you know, mm-hmm. you do some things for free. Yeah. Things can't you're passionate do everything. about. No, you can't. So, you know, and the truth is anytime you do do something for free, it's going to take three times the time that you right. put out for it because that's the way it rolls. But, you know, we're good people. We do these things. You have to. You give back. All right. So... What is your creative dream, like things you have to do creatively before before you can no longer, before you gasp your last? I've been writing this movie script. I keep going back to it. I mean, That's I, awesome. You know, I, 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 when I call you up every once in a while, um, I will tell you the greatest idea for a show that we should do tomorrow oh, if I we know. could just find the right people to do it. Or the, the, the movie script yeah. that we... we talked about over the years and I just pick it up and start doodling with it again um I don't think that'll ever stop I may not ever I may never do that movie I may never do that show but I'm still thinking of those things you know it's gonna happen you know years into the future your cute adorable grandson is going to find a box of stories <laughs> yeah and he's gonna go thanks Gramps <laughs> what is this He's going to make so much money. (laughs) What are these stories? I should put them in book form. Oh, my gosh. And what if that that mouse was a superhero? (laughs) And what if I smack Mickey in the... (laughs) I have, uh, I still, today, I have tapes in, in my garage that I can't play. Why I'm hanging on to them, I don't know. Of oh, things the, that the we've done, I think, you know, just. Somebody, somebody just called me the other day for, they're like, hey, somebody's retiring. You happen to have this little thing that you. That you did. That I did. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I said, there's one box that I never opened when I moved. It might be in there. And sure enough, I go up to the attic. I open the box and it's like right at the top. It's right at the top. But it was on beta SP. And nobody. Oh, you, you'd have to really search out somebody that has a Weirdly, machine. Weirdly. Like, okay, if you know geeky video guys, somebody came to mind and I called them up. They're like, yeah, I got it. I'll do it Nice. For you. It was like, it was so easy, but mm-hmm. it'll never happen again. No one will ever ask me for stuff again. So, And nor have I looked at that. So I thought that stuff was really important when I made it all those years ago, but I haven't looked at it since. I ran across a tape just like a week or two ago of Chauncey Howells. Oh. <sighs> And he passed away. I don't know if you know that. He passed away yeah, I a couple do of months know that. back. Um, yeah, Chauncey was a, a New York City 
a lifestyle reporter, mm-hmm. and he was, and he was really funny. He was, and really, you know, and again on the downside of his career. Right. There's <laughs> another example of someone who's really talented, really funny, but they also had this other side where they couldn't work with everybody. They couldn't. Oh, we had a we had a. I had a moment as a stage manager at a, um, I think it was a Humane Society telethon, where I thought he and his co-host were going to come to blows. And <laughs> I, I'm sitting here going, I'm too young for this. I'm too inexperienced. <laughs> and Chauncey was just... You have to take the good with the bad. But, and, he, but, yeah. but we have all these things. We have, you know, I run across these tapes. I wish I could play them to look at them again. I can, I'll give you the name of the guy with yeah. the deck. We'll do it. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, Bob, mm-hmm. we have nothing to talk about. All right, well. We've had nothing to talk about for this last hour. Well. This has been fun. I, it went by quick. It went by quick. So find Bob's books at? Anywhere across the country, any Amazon. Uh, it's available on Amazon, any bookstore across the country. If it's not in your local bookstore, Pip ask the for mouse. it. Pip the Mouse or Winnie the Wrinkled Puppy. You can ask for it, and they'll order it for you, and you can get it. I'll put some pictures from the book up on the Facebook page. Um, and uh, thanks for doing this. It was my pleasure. You, did you know, okay. I didn't want to do it. I know. You I was just a little did it hesitant, we but uh, I'm glad I did. That's nice. I'm yeah. glad you did too. Yeah. I hear that more than you think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing changes. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Thank you. The Creative Backstory is a collaboration between producer Alan Fleming, associate producer Shay Zukowski, and me, Kelly Planer. Our theme song was written and performed by Dave Coyne. Just to let you know, our podcast wouldn't be remotely possible without the support of JuxtaHub, Emmaus, Pennsylvania's Arts and Innovation Center, where people from all walks of life gather, create, and grow. The views expressed by our team and our guests are not necessarily those of JuxtaHub and may or may not reflect their values. That being said, if you've been inspired by a creative person in your life or have a story about your favorite creative processes, we'd love to hear about it. Contact us at thecreativebackstory at gmail.com.